the baggage that you carry with you or the triggers or the trauma or whatever it is, it's like it's your body and your nervous system and your emotions and your brain all trying to protect you and trying to get you what it is that you need. And that's actually a very good thing. It's a very wonderful thing that there's a part of you that has your own back. If you're happy with the same old ways of dating, if you enjoy sucking at communication, and you have no desire to improve your romantic life, then our podcast might not be for you. But if you want some out-of-the-box ideas to deepen your current relationships, broaden your sexual horizons, develop a better understanding of yourself, or learn more about non-monogamy, then you've come to the right place. I'm Jace. I'm Emily. And I'm Dedeker. And this is the Multi-Amory Podcast. On this episode of the Multi-Amory Podcast, we're talking about baggage. And we're not talking about the cute or maybe functional kind that holds your clothes while you're taking a trip to Europe or something, but the kind that can be a challenge in your relationships. We're going to talk about how we accumulate all that baggage, how we can actually pick and choose what types of things we want to bring in our baggage, if I can take that metaphor even further. Uh, and then also sometimes maybe that baggage isn't always a bad thing. So these are all stuff that we're going to explore in this episode. And dear listener, if you think this is the last time that Jace oh. is going to make travel metaphors related to emotional baggage... Fear not. Fear not. (laughs) I know, it's funny. It's like, what can we make into a metaphor today with Jace Lindgren? Basically, yeah. (laughs) Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. Well, last time we covered this was ages ago. I think it was, the episode was somewhere in the 40s in 1945. Really? Um, Goodness. Yeah, it was the last time that we covered this. No, seriously, though, it was like 46, 47 or something, I think, when we first talked wow. about relationship baggage. So it's definitely been a while. We definitely need to revisit it. Um, I do believe last time Jace coined this imaginary beautiful place known as Relationships Airport International, where you go to baggage <laughs> claim to deal with all your baggage. And I just I really love that image. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. You know, where you go and you have your like little luggage... Uh tag tag claim thing tag. that no one ever checks to like see if that baggage is actually yours you know mm-hmm. you have that you got to compare it you look at it maybe you see some better baggage and you pick that one up instead wait no don't do that that's illegal that's, don't do that that's like my worst nightmare is that somebody will just like grab my mm. cute pink bag and just take it just take it well that happened to my sister stuff. Whoa, like, really? Yeah, when she came back from a trip from France when, when she was in high school, actually, that oh someone gosh. grabbed her bag accidentally. Unfortunately, they got it sorted out. Um, you know, she had her contact information, and so there were, you know, exchanges and conversations. But yeah, it totally happened. So it wasn't like someone Yikes. maliciously just took her bag. No, but they no, mixed no, it no. Up. It was, I think, yeah. someone just wasn't paying attention, and their bags looked similar, and they just snagged it. Right. And then ended yeah. up with all my sister's stuff, which no one wanted, apparently. <laughs> or at least well, they didn't a good, want good Samaritan. It, at least they didn't want it more than they wanted their own stuff back. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. The, the trade-off wasn't quite good enough. <laughs> right. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Wow. All right. Well, we're going to talk about what baggage is today. And funnily enough, people say that, right? Funnily? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, not really a word, that. but yeah, yeah. Um, Urban Dictionary, our, our beautiful, lovely Urban Dictionary, they uh, had a nice little way of speaking about baggage 
And they said it well, that baggage is a noun, obviously, but it is an issue regarding a person's past that can affect their current disposition. So addictions, debt, diseases, bad habits, past relationships with a significant other or family or kids um, can all be an example of what baggage is. I think this might yeah, be the only time Urban Dictionary's had a, like a useful and fairly reasonable definition of anything ever. Yeah, I'm surprised. I know. <laughs> exactly. Like I almost, when I was first looking, like doing research for this episode, I almost didn't want to click on it because I was like, well, Urban Dictionary is not going to be helpful here. But I'm so glad I did because compared to every other article that I read, I was like, oh, this like actually gets straight to the point and covers a lot of bases and it makes a lot of sense. Um, mm-hmm. So, so people refer to baggage. Sometimes it's called emotional baggage. Sometimes it's called relationship baggage. Sometimes it's just called baggage. And like Urban Dictionary said, like sometimes it can refer to <clears throat> stuff from a person's past. Or I've heard people refer to it as like more tangible stuff. Like getting into a relationship with someone with baggage could refer to literally they have kids from another relationship. I've heard people refer to that as baggage. I don't know if that's very that's kind. Kinda- yeah i'm like that's not very kind but sometimes people refer to it that way i think sometimes people use it to refer to like anytime you're getting involved in a relationship with someone who i guess has a lot of other stuff going on in their life sometimes people use baggage in that way like Hmm. maybe they're going through a messy divorce right now um okay yeah i've definitely heard it used that way yeah yes or like a difficult job transition and they may or may not always be a deal breaker but i've just i've heard people use it that way well and they clearly may or may not always be like a negative thing because i think when people tend to think of baggage it automatically is assumed that baggage is a negative but you know, probably one wouldn't necessarily assume that like a child is a negative thing. So if one is saying, okay, you know, their kids are baggage, it is just like, it's an extra added thing to think about when entering into a relationship with someone. Yeah, I guess it's that it's this idea of if you're going to get into a relationship with this person, it's not just the person, there's also all these other things. Mm -hmm. And I mean, to be fair, I would say that applies to everybody because we all bring our past experience and like life context into a relationship. Um, yeah, and that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, I was just going to say, I think for this episode, though, we did want to kind of clarify that what we're talking about is more about evaluating your own baggage in terms mm-hmm. of like, what are the things you're bringing forward from past relationships that might not be serving you? Um rather than talking about this as like, well, these are indicators that someone else has baggage and you shouldn't be with them. Mm. I think I think using yeah, yeah, yeah. baggage in that way, I'm just going to take a strong stance here. And I'm going to say that's like a total cop out of saying mm. like, oh, well, I don't want to be with them because they have baggage or like, oh, it didn't work out because they had baggage. It's like, no, you're just not willing to own up to what actually happened. If you want to say, mm. oh, I chose not to be in a relationship with them or our relationship ended because these certain behaviors didn't work with me or these certain things didn't get along or we didn't see eye to eye, like whatever the real reasons were, I'm like, okay, now we can talk. But when you just try to blame it on baggage, I don't buy it because we're all people who have it. Like we all have baggage Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily always a bad thing, which, which we'll get into. So it's like whose baggage lines up. Okay. With, with our baggage, you trying to trying to get the rent line Looking in here. Looking for baggage that goes with mine. I that one, okay. You, I what what is this song? What is this song? It's from Rent. 
It's yeah, Roger and Mimi singing oh, to each You're other. Right. Jesus. Yeah. I forgot about that. Because they're talking about the fact they both have wow. baggage, and so that's why it's okay to get into a relationship with each other. Right. It's, it's all good. Bad musical theater student I am right now. Yeah, seriously. seriously I'm really surprised. I'm really disappointed. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Maybe we should I, record I know, the rest but... of this one without Emily, so she can go <laughs> listen to Rens kind of brush up a little bit. <laughs> I know the musical, obviously. You've auditioned for it like 75 times, so I definitely heard it a lot. Mm, that's true. But be that still, yes. Okay. All I'm going right. to bring us back to baggage and not musicals, but we can talk about musicals Sadly. another time. Yeah. Um, yes. So let's talk about when we think about emotional baggage or relationship baggage, how do we even get that in the first place like how do we get these things that happened in the past that we still carry into the present and that still affect or still cause obstacles for us having healthy relationships or healthy life in the first place um Uh and it goes way back that our baggage often the first influencer the first baggage influencer is usually our parents our family of origin um there's this term working models so the idea that in childhood we kind of receive our scripts about how we think relationships are supposed to go or social interactions are supposed to go or even how we're supposed to handle money or how we're supposed to handle having a job or things like that. Like these are our working models that we carry with us into adulthood and we build those basically by watching the people around us, which usually are our parents. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, and like, so oh yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Your working models for relationships, it can also be related to attachment style, which we have covered on the podcast before. Um, and I, I, f- like, I feel like the distinguishment between the two of those is I feel like attachment style feels to me a little bit more, I don't know, I guess more of a reactive thing of kind of like how you react when you're put into like an attachment crisis situation. Like, are you clingy or are you avoidant or are you fearful mm-hmm. or do you feel secure or whatever? Versus working models, I feel like it's kind of like the inherent stories that we carry with us of like, oh, this is the way things should be, mm-hmm. or this is the way things should go, this is the way a relationship should go, this is the way a person should talk to another person. I think those are kind of more the working models that we get from watching our family of origin growing up. Yeah, we talked about stuff related to this a few episodes ago, um, where we kind of talked about the things we learned from our parents are from other people because they told us that versus things we learned just by watching them do it and going, Oh, that must be how people do things. Um, we talked about it in terms of like, um, kind of your feelings of self-worth or things like that, like how we've adapted ways that our parents may have acted about themselves that we've gone like, Oh, that must be a normal thing that, that people worry about because they're kind of our only role model for that when we're children. Um, So this is kind of, this can go into other areas too. And so like an example of this is how people communicate and how people have conflict. Mm -hmm. So how did your parents fight or, you know, whoever was around when you were a kid, right? Maybe you had some sort of parental figure. Yeah. Maybe you had much older siblings who kind of acted as Mm -hmm. parental figures and role models to you, or maybe it was grandparents or extended family, whatever. But like, how did they handle conflict? Did they did they yell at each other? Would they sulk and like avoid each other? Would one person always tend to dominate those kinds of conflicts over the other? Like whatever this is, when you're a little kid, you're not sitting there going like these people aren't handling that very well. You're just <laughs> going, "Oh, this is how people deal with conflict." 
because you don't mm. have any other examples. You don't have any frame of reference for it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Or like expectations around commitment. Like how do people show up on time? You know, did, mm. did your parents oh, show up on time? Did they do the things they said they were going to do? Uh, <laughs> oh gosh. Oh gosh. Jace, <laughs> you're really a, speaking did, to me right now. That's, did they hit you with that one? You're cutting me right to the core there. That's interesting. That's, that is a working model that I've carried with me to adulthood for sure. Stuff around punctuality and about like integrity and follow through and things like that. That you're believing that others will not do that. No, it's it's more of if someone in my life isn't punctual or shows a lack of follow through in something, and it could be as small as like someone saying to me like oh, on my way home from work, I'll go to the store and pick up this thing. And then they forget, which is like such Mm -hmm. a totally normal, human, natural thing to do, right? Mm -hmm. But I think because I definitely have this working model around follow through, like I get get so offended. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I get so offended. I'm like, how dare you forget to do something? Um, And that's 100% from my family of origin. Well, I think you bring up a great point with that question, Emily, in your response, Dedeker, is that that yeah. this can show up in different ways. You know, that yeah. also could have mm-hmm. shown up where like you yourself are always late. Cause you're like, well, that's just what people do that. These exactly. Are, right. Yes. So it can depend kind of what, what attachment, like which role you put yourself in. Same thing with like conflict with your parents. If one always dominated the other, which one did you end up kind of identifying with and which role do you kind of carry mm. forward? Right. Yeah, I think about this with how my mom, when she was married, like the only time that she was ever married, she moved in with her husband and like immediately he started becoming really abusive, like in their uh, conflicts and it didn't show up before they got married and moved in together because that's, I guess, the kind of things that he saw family members doing with one another. And so it didn't show up before that. Exactly. That was his working model for like what a household of two people who are married and living together, what that was. And it didn't show up before that time because they weren't doing those things. But then all of a sudden when it did, it became obviously really awful. I feel like that happens a lot when people get married just because of just, I don't know, everything like we it, attach. Like the stakes are changed yes, or something? Every, I, don't I don't know. I just think everything we attach, it's almost like we receive this working model, not only from our parents and our family, but from our culture, but everything we attach to the titles of husband or wife or the title mm. of married that I think can really show up in a lot of these unrecognized, previously unrecognized behaviors kind of coming up. Yeah. Yeah. I remember hearing about this at a talk years ago, kind of about whenever a relationship enters a new label, suddenly all of this baggage or all of these sort of meanings or assumptions that you've unconsciously attached to that thing show up. And this is not just getting married, but this could be like moving in together. They're like, all Mm -hmm. of a sudden things show up that you weren't even aware you had those assumptions about how things go when people move in together, either about but how you behave like or kicks you off or about, about the other person or your own behavior could really change. Sure. And you're like, why am I acting this way now? Like I'm upsetting my partner because of this, or just going from dating to saying, I love you or getting mm. engaged or getting married or kind of whatever it is. We're, yeah. we're usually not aware of all these kind of assumptions and little pieces of baggage, I guess, that kind of go along with that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, and kind of moving on something to be aware of is that a lot of people, when they're leaving an old relationship and then walking into a new relationship, they're going to try to fill something that was missing. So like, for example, if in a past relationship, I felt as though like I didn't receive a lot of affection from my partner, or if healthy communication and trust were really an issue, um, often people will go into the next relationship believing that, you know, those are the things that I need filled. And perhaps they'll start dating someone who is similar, hoping for a different result. And mm. it can kind of put us in this sort of cycle of never being fulfilled in the way that we want. Um, and also just that is at times sometimes a, an unhealthy expectation. Like even if you believe that affection should look a certain way and then, you know, it doesn't get fulfilled in that manner, then you can still have that baggage come back on you and be like, well, I didn't get what I wanted again. Shit. Mm. Well, I, th I mean, I feel like we haven't delved into this too deeply on the podcast before, but I, I, I don't know. I'm curious what the two of you think about mm -hmm. kind of theories around people seeking out their parents like when they date mm. and, and oh, i mean yeah. like not the freudian stuff came up a <laughs> little bit when we were <laughs> doing it's, some it's, research but it's not quite just surface level freudian like oedipus complex electric complex like i don't think it's quite as <laughs> essentially simple as that but but mm -hmm. as in like finding yourself in situations where you're reminded of the communication dynamic that you had with your mother or you're reminded of the of the communication dynamic that your dad and mom or your parents had between themselves and and like i don't know how or do you, you how do you feel about that relationship because well, i do i feel yeah. like some people uh i don't know cuz sometimes i feel like i you know i'm so averse to anything that's similar to the ways that like I saw my parents and family communicate. And so I try to seek the opposite of that. But then sometimes even in seeking the opposite of that, I find myself back in a situation where I'm still kind of triggered by a similar communication dynamic. Mm -hmm. So then it's just like this mind trip of like, am I cursed? Am I doomed? <laughs> like, am I subconsciously seeking to recreate this? Like, I don't know what's true and what's not. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have something on that, Jess? Well, like the, the description that I heard that I felt like made some sense. I think there's something there. I, well, okay, here's the thing. It's the idea is that it's not that you're attracted to someone who's like your mother or father, but that your relationships will be like a continuation of trying to resolve the things that you didn't resolve with your parents. Um, the idea being like, if you had a particular communication struggle with your parent, that then in your relationships, you're going to kind of relive that or find people where you maybe have a similar issue because you're mm. trying to eventually work through it. Um, well, sure. Exactly. That was the explanation I heard. I don't know if I totally buy it, but in the context where I heard it, uh, the person was talking about it in terms of like, but this doesn't mean you're, you know, doomed to this forever. It just means that by being aware of it, you can gain some power over it and potentially by resolving some things with your parents, either with them or just in yourself about them, um, you can actually help yourself kind of break out of that cycle. Again, I don't know what kind of science is behind this, but I did think it was something interesting to think about at least just in terms of yeah. a way to evaluate yourself and see why you might be doing things. Absolutely. Well, it's yeah. good to hear that it's not a doom and it's not a curse. And we <laughs> will dive into this a little bit more specifically when we get to our bonus content. Yeah. 
Um, so the next thing we want to talk about, and this is something I know Dedeker has things to say about this, uh, and this is something called transference. Um, Ugh, my mother's favorite word. She used oh, to really? say this all, not not favorite, but like she used to use this term all the freaking time as I was growing up. And I don't exactly know. I'm trying to remember why. I think it huh. was just like, you know, this is a transference right now on me or something like things like that. Whoa. I just remember oh. she used so, it a ton. It Emily, is very like psych 101. Yeah. Would you say that maybe there's some baggage there around just the term transference itself? <laughs> I mean, definitely. Yes, I'd say so. Because when I saw this, I was like, huh. Like I... <laughs> Well, but, it's, okay. but also, I mean, I think it's a powerful word and it's a powerful concept. But this is also, I, we will reiterate this many times. This is also stuff to apply to yourself when you're thinking about your own shit. I yeah. don't think this is good yeah. stuff to weaponize. Like it sounds like maybe your mom did in like kind of throwing it onto you or throwing it to under, uh, onto other people. Yeah. You know, and saying, Sometimes like, it was about other people, but right, saying you're, this person's projecting this or you're transferring this, you know, that it's, yeah. it's maybe that's not going to be a boon to your relationships, but I think applying some of these to yourself is going to be more it's, likely to, have it's a much more powerful. Effect. I yes. agree. Yeah. To be able to like say, Hey, maybe this is transference that I'm producing right. onto X, Y, or Z relationship of mine. But Jace, what is transference? Why don't you tell us? (laughs) Well, yeah, yeah. And it is, it's it's interesting because it is a tricky thing of like, you may see that and you may accurately see that someone else is doing this. Like your mom may have been Mm -hmm. right in those situations. Uh, Probably. (laughs) But but for the purpose of this episode and you listening at home, the point of this is for you to evaluate about yourself, right? So what transference is, uh, it's a term that's commonly used in therapy And uh, I guess another term for it is like a biological time machine, where basically something happens in the present uh, with another person generally, although not always, which brings your feelings and pain or worry or fear or whatever from the past into the present moment. You're transferring an experience you had in the past and a feeling you had in the past onto a present situation. So, you know, this is something like someone says a specific word like transference and all of a sudden <laughs> and all of Jesus. a sudden you're feeling all these feelings that that yeah. have nothing to do with the fact that they just said the word transference, but it's because you have these memories that your body has these memories of how you felt at a past time that was that this reminded you of. And I I think that this is a powerful thing to be aware of just in general, because it can cause some people to, I think, have emotional reactions that maybe seem out of the ordinary or like they shouldn't have such an intense reaction to something that is said. I I definitely had a um, recent episode of this with a friend where I was like their emotional baggage was transferred onto me. And I also had a lot of feelings of like, holy shit, did I actually do something that warranted this kind of emotional response from them? But I think, Mm. you know, in both of us working through it, it was definitely a a point in which I was like, no, like their trauma was transferred onto me by something triggering that happened between the two of us. But it doesn't necessarily mean that I did something to warrant that. It just was their emotional and bodily response to the occurrence. Mm. So I think in both ways, it's a good thing to be reminded of. That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a good segue to talk about the fact that 
the way transference works is very similar to how trauma and Mm -hmm. PTSD and triggers work. I feel like they're kind of on a spectrum. I don't think that transference and like trauma are being triggered are necessarily the same exact thing, but I do think that they work functionally in very similar ways in that, you know, something can trigger you, something triggers a memory or a feeling of past pain and it can produce a reaction in the present that's disproportionate to what the situation actually is. Um, So some examples of like transference, let's say we'll start there, is maybe your new partner like doesn't text you back as soon as you're anticipating that they were. Um, Mm. And in the like, let's say hour that you're sitting there waiting to get a response from this person it brings up either consciously or unconsciously this pain of maybe a very neglectful partner you had in the past. You know, mm-hmm. maybe you had a really bad relationship with someone who was very bad at communicating or, or like suddenly ghosted you out of nowhere or something like that. And then that comes to the present and then results in you being maybe more harsh or more angry with your current partner than maybe you otherwise would be. And so again, it's kind of like, the pain from the past partner is being transferred onto the current partner. And now that doesn't mean that you don't have a right to be like annoyed if someone doesn't respond to you, but it may be what's fueling like having a much deeper pain response, I suppose, mm-hmm. than maybe the situation warranted. Um, and it's similar with things like trauma. Like if we want to go with a more extreme example, that it's like a partner may touch you in a way that suddenly brings back this like extreme fight or flight defensive response, especially if you have trauma that's surrounded, you know, that's based in physical touch that may result in you like pushing your partner away or freezing or getting stiff. And again, like sometimes these things happen before you're even cognizant of it. Um, But again, just this idea that it's like something from the past that's causing a much bigger, quicker reaction than is merited in the present. Yeah. Oh, um, With all of this, though, again, we've talked a lot about baggage and how it can kind of be a challenging thing in your relationships, but it's not always the case. It can also be really helpful um, because there are things that come up in our past relationships that we carry emotional baggage, but it can also be like I carry maybe a really a knowledge of like how to communicate really well from like a past relationship. And that's something that I want to carry in to my future relationships or, you know, anything to how to be physically affectionate with someone to like, you know, how to give better blowjobs, anything, (laughs) anything, anything like all of the above can it kind of fuel and uh, make a current relationship better because you've had experience with others as well. And I think even, even if the, the quality of the emotion attached to the baggage is also negative. Cause I think some baggage that I feel like I carry with me, that's actually good baggage is um, I think because I had some painful experiences in the past of like, when I wouldn't be honest about my feelings with someone or Mm. I would be very like coy or hard to get, or I felt like I can't be honest with this person about the fact that I'm interested or that I love them or that I want to, be in an intense relationship with them that I had some painful experiences of like kind of missing out on some relationships because people assumed I wasn't interested or people assumed that like I wasn't as into them 
as they were into me. And so they like deescalated the relationship and like those were painful experiences, but it kind of taught me to carry in more of this sense of like allowing myself to be vulnerable and honest Mm -hmm. with someone and allowing myself to like, to kind of wear my heart on my sleeve as much as I can, you know, and to, again, just to be vulnerable kind of for the sake of that. And so for me, it's like, well, that came from some painful experiences, but ultimately produced some really good things in my newer relationships. You can be avoidant attached. I'm, oh, <laughs> you can gosh. be an island. So much, so much. It's constantly my uphill battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's a great point actually about like, I think we're kind of trying to talk one about just the idea of baggage in general being stuff we're carrying forward from past relationships. And if you think of it more as just like, these are your, I'm going with the metaphor here. These are your suitcase, your suitcases where you have the stuff you're bringing with you that that's not all bad. Those are also useful things too. Maybe like in, in Dedeker's example there, it could be a painful thing. I'm also thinking like I have examples of that, also from baggage I have about pain I've caused to other people or ways that Mm. I've upset past partners of mine or people that I've dated and kind of then the pain that I had in realizing that I had been the bad guy in that situation, that that's baggage that I still have, but that's not something that I want to, I don't want it to maybe control me, but I also don't want to get rid of that because I think that's hugely important in helping me to do a better job of being aware of like the power that I might have that I'm not aware of, or, you know, mm. being, being aware of how to better take care of my partners and the people who I care about, or really just anyone. Um, so, you know, like whether it's a positive thing or a negative thing, cause it, like Emily said, it could be a positive thing, like some awesome sex tips that you've learned or like good communication habits, or just like a high standard for how communication goes and how people do resolve conflict. Well, I would still consider all those baggage. So to go back to our mm-hmm. metaphor here, if we're thinking about traveling, if you have too much baggage, right? Like you've got so many trunks, you need to like hire a valet to carry it along yeah, with you. Have, you have an army of, of valets and Sherpas <laughs> to carry your steamer trunks around onto the ship. Right, right. That you, maybe you could get by with it, but you're going to be a lot more limited in your travels, right? You're going to be limited in where you can go. You're going to be limited in how fast you can go. Um, And you're constantly having to like take care of all of this luggage you're bringing with you. Whereas on the other hand, if you have no luggage, then you don't have any clothes to change into. You can't brush your teeth, you know, like that's also not a good thing. So the idea is like, you want to have baggage that's helpful and useful to you, but be mindful of it, right? Like understand what the baggage is that you have and kind of decide if that's baggage that's helpful for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think another way that the baggage we carry into relationships can be helpful is, is just in personal growth. You know, there's this idea of stress related growth, which is, you know, when we go through pain, especially when it's the pain or, or transition that comes out of a relationship ending, that it pushes us to a higher psychological and emotional capacity than we previously thought that we had. And it develops wow. more of a sense of resiliency. I know, right? It's, it's like, like a level up. <laughs> so heavy. Well, the, the, yeah. way, the way I feel about it is like, I think about some of my more painful breakups 
Um, and for some reason, I've been dealing with a lot of clients going through breakups this week, so I've been talking uh, about breakups mm-hmm. a lot. So that's just what's coming on your season. mind. Yeah, it's yeah, been on my mind. Um, but it's like when I think about some of my most painful breakups, and I look back and I think about like, gosh, that was really hard. We both loved each other so much, but it wasn't going to work out. We went through all this back and forth, but ultimately, I got through it, and mm-hmm. so that makes me feel more equipped. Mm. where like if i'm in another relationship where it's like even if i love this person but it's not going to work out i know i can live through it you know Mm. it's not going to necessarily make it uh feel good or feel easy but at least i have a sense of like i can do it like like and at the time when i think about this particularly painful breakup at the time like i didn't think i had the emotional capacity to handle this breakup Mm. like i thought my world was ending you know Mm -hmm. and i just could not see how i was going to recover from it but i did and so so it is it's kind of like you know your baggage can sometimes be like the amount that you've grown or the amount that you've learned to stretch and to kind of go past your own limits and that also is a good thing even if it comes from something that's very painful yeah 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 so before we go on to the second half, something I mentioned earlier while we were planning this that uh, Dedeker liked, and so she wrote it down in the episode here, is... Oh, is that why you think I wrote it down? <laughs> yes. Uh, it's, it's like, just... Obviously, you loved it. <laughs> <laughs> is that in the second half, we're going to talk about ways to kind of recognize the helpful and unhelpful baggage and kind of evaluate that. And then also what you can do about it if you do realize you have some baggage that you'd like to let go. And as I put it before, the body keeps score, but sometimes you don't know which game it's scoring. Um, well done. I think that... Meaning... Can you elaborate just a tad on that? Well, it's like transference. That okay. example of like, the body keeps score means like the body is the thing that remembers the trauma that's there trying to protect you, that's, mm-hmm. um, you know, responding to these things from the past, but we're not always aware of which game it's keeping score for. So yeah. in my present relationship you know, my partner does a particular thing and my body goes like negative 1000 for Gryffindor. But actually they were saying that about the previous Quidditch match and not about uh, the current one. I really switched metaphors uh, a wow, few times. I, did not, I did not anticipate we were going to evolve also into a Harry Potter metaphor. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's metaphor. not how Quidditch works, Jis, but okay. Oh yeah, you're right. I guess that was, that's more like the house system. Yeah, yeah, I, I really like, mix my metaphors w- within the world of Harry Potter. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but I guess the <laughs> idea fine. that it's like, yes, your body and your emotions are going to react to things, but sometimes it's really difficult to tell, is this because of something in the past, or is this because of something in the present, or mm-hmm. is it a mix of both, and what do I do about it, essentially? Yeah. Yeah. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. For a long time now, we've been fans of adamandeve.com for getting sex toys or lingerie or accessories, things like that. It's just a fantastic resource with a huge selection. 
And now, not only do we have a fantastic offer, but we also have a promo code that will work on adammail.com and evestoys.com, which are their site specifically for LGBTQ audiences. And our code is fantastic. It's 50% off of almost any item in the store and free discreet shipping when you use our code MULTI. Yes, we love adamandeve.com and have for years. They are our oldest and longest sponsor, and they just keep on giving great gifts to us and to our listeners. You can bring more pleasure and satisfaction into your bedroom by going to adamandeve.com, adammail.com, or evestoys.com and select any one item. It can be, you know, an adventurous new toy or anything you desire, something fun, something sexy, whatever sounds good. So just enter offer code MULTI at checkout and you'll get 50% off almost any item plus free shipping. That's MULTI, M-U-L-T-I at adamandeve.com, adammail.com or evestoys.com. This is an exclusive offer that is specific to this podcast and it's better than any offer that is currently available on their site. So again, use code MULTI to get you not just the 50% discount, but also the 100% free shipping. Code M-U-L-T-I. Sounds good. All right. So in the second half here, we're going to start with talking about some clues or maybe some litmus tests that you can use to help recognize when the baggage you're experiencing might be unhelpful baggage that you want to let go of. So my the lit my <laughs> I don't think lit my is a thing. I know. I just thought, I was like, what's the like the plural singular of litmus? Of, yeah, or the plit. I guess the plural of litmus. That's a good question. The multiple lit my. Do you have any I think Greek and Latin? The plural majors? is litmus tests because I'm pretty sure litmus is a name. Oh, is it oh, a name? Really? Oh. Fascinating. I don't know why. Whenever I hear the word litmus test, I think of like like those things that you stick on your tongue oh. that like do the multiple colors. I don't know what those are, but I'm like, is that a litmus test? No, I totally lied about the name thing. Um, litmus mm. itself is a mixture of colored organic compounds obtained from lichen. Fucking, um, fucking called it, man. Shit. Yeah, yeah it's, it's traditionally Maybe I that, was mixing my metamors. It's yeah. normally a yeah. test for acidity or alkalinity. Not normally yeah. used on your tongue, but like in water or I something. I don't know why. To, or a I solution. think maybe because it's, uh, litmus sounds like something maybe that would be put on your tongue. <laughs> Anyway, okay. That's <laughs> that's a on, that's a litmus test that you're thinking of. Oh, <laughs> whoops! But in modern day, this is this is often used as a decisive test or and something that's indicative. Um, like in in politics, it's kind of used in that way. Anyway, these are little sort of tests, things that you can think about to help determine. Okay, so first one we have here, we've kind of mentioned this a little bit before, which is having a reaction or feelings that are either stronger or much quicker than seem to fit the circumstance. Like you have this like immediate harder, better, faster, stronger. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, That you just like have this, what seems to you like a disproportionately strong reaction to something that happens. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think, again, these are tests. So, it's possible that you'll look at this test and go, no, I actually think my reaction, like if I'm able to kind of distance myself from it a little bit. No, I, I do think that's appropriate. Like 
I should have been that upset about it, or that was a very shocking thing. So this isn't just to say, like, anytime you have a big reaction, that's this. It's like, no, can you kind of evaluate, did this seem out of proportion, right? Does this mm-hmm. seem larger than was warranted by what happened? Um, and then uh, the next one would be uh, stubbornly holding on to a relationship that isn't working. Um, you know, this is almost kind of the, the opposite side of where we see a lot of baggage. That's more about like, oh, my baggage broke up my relationship. But it's like potentially your baggage is what's keeping you in a pretty unhappy relationship or an unhealthy relationship or an unfulfilling relationship because you're maybe like with the parents thing, like you're trying to work through something you never got resolved with your parents or in a past relationship or, or something that you feel like you're maybe not deserving of in your life. And this can get really heavy here, but um, Mm -hmm. just kind of looking at that, like, am I stubbornly holding on to a relationship that isn't working just because of whatever baggage I might have. Yeah. yeah. Another indicator, another clue that there may be some unhelpful baggage in the situation is if you are having obsessive thoughts or if you are fixating on a particular event or a particular conversation or a particular fight that you had with Mm. a partner, if you're finding yourself really unable to let something go. And the way that I look at it is like, if you are obsessed about something that happened, I feel like it's an, it's, first of all, it's definitely an indicator that something else is going on underneath the surface. And either it's an indicator that like something really wrong happened there and it's very much a deal breaker. And it's like, if you cannot let go of this, it's like, maybe you need to reconsider the relationship or reconsider your part in the situation mm-hmm. or it might be an indicator that there's something from the past that's bringing up a lot more pain than the situation itself maybe actually warrants and you're finding yourself like thinking about it and rehashing it in your head and um like it could be that it's like something similar happened in a past relationship or it harkens back to something from your childhood that again is trying to work itself out and that's why you're finding yourself just like chewing and mulling over the same thing over and over and over again. Mm, Um, Another clue can be if you find yourself having an unexplainable either attraction or repulsion to someone or to a situation or to an environment. Um, I have an example of this actually with the repulsion one that actually at a a workshop that we did a while ago. um, Oh God, I remember. Yeah. We were doing a work at this workshop and a couple of people showed up late, like maybe a half an hour into the workshop. And this man walked in and I initially only saw him out of the corner of my eye, but like he looked like um, an ex-partner of mine and particularly an abusive ex-partner of mine. And, and this guy like just bore enough of a resemblance to this person that I was just instantly, instantly repulsed, like to the point of like, I do not want to talk to this guy. I don't even want to look in that corner of the room. And it's like, this guy is just like a guy, you know, like it's not his fault. <laughs> you know, like he, he literally did nothing in this situation. But I was seriously, it was, I, I don't know. I feel like it was borderline one part baggage and also just one part triggered because of the yeah. trauma, you know? Yeah. And it was even like, I think this guy- It wasn't guy tr- that long after everything yeah, went down anyway. Yeah, it was yeah. not long after that particular breakup. And this guy even like tried to ask me a couple questions after the You're workshop. Like- and I was just like- doing everything in my power to like make it as short of an interaction as possible. And so again, it's another example of like 
a react like just a random dude walks into a room and it's not necessarily an appropriate reaction to immediately be so averse to a total stranger mm. you know yeah that's definitely because of something in the past that came to the present yeah yeah so yeah. what would be kind of the the flip side of this test of like like it <clears throat> like a justified attraction or repulsion i guess like Oh, I mean, justified repulsion, it could be any number of things. It it could be, I mean, I don't know, justified repulsion is like you could be repulsed, repulsed well, by someone who actually did something to hurt you. Like, sure, that's right. justifiable. You know, you I mean, could be like, oh, okay, I guess it's because it's like, okay, maybe you're with someone who could do something that reminds you of the shitty thing that your ex did. And I feel like... I feel like it's kind of tricky to figure out, like, what is it like where you're repulsed by this person just because it reminds you versus like, did this person just straight up do something your ex did and you're repulsed by the action? Mm, yeah. I suppose. Yeah. I don't yeah, know. I mean, it, it does start to get a little tricky. Well, I met a person uh, when I was in China and we were kind of talking about the podcast and he just was like, yeah, well, it, he just it, it was saying a ton of really negative things about non-monogamy and the and people who are in non-monogamous relationships and in what that means that they are like a judgment value on them and it really pissed me off and like mm. i had like an immediate like anger because it just mm. felt really bullshit and i don't know i mean that triggered like i was like i don't want to have any more interaction with this person in the time that i'm still here just because I feel like that's the way in which they characterize people who decide to do this type of relationship structure and just like women in general and like a bunch of stuff. It was like all about that. And right. it felt really toxically masculine and bullshit. So mm, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that was a yeah. repulsion. Well, it's the kind of thing. I mean, in that instance where I mean, essentially uh, something that I remember of you telling us about that situation is that like, yeah. I mean, he what did he he used the word he didn't call women sluts he said Slags. slag yeah the british version um yeah. yeah but it's like okay a man calling a woman a slut sure that can carry the pain of like maybe the times in the past that you were called a slut or the times sure. in the past that like you've seen other people be called a slut and the pain from that but it can also be painful in the moment too and that feels like justifiably right. repulsing right so, yeah that's, yeah. that's a yeah, good well, example of the, how you kind of weigh those weigh those things and yeah. also well yeah that he's the type of person that would even like go there that would even like call mm. someone that and to me i'm like that's not a type of person that i fucking need to be around right so i'm not gonna yeah, yeah. 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 No, that's a that's a great okay, example well, of the other side yeah i really want to quickly explore the though have either of the two of you had like an unexplainable attraction to someone that was maybe more based in like past baggage rather than I've had unexplainable attraction, but I could not tell you if that was attached to baggage or, or what. I know. God, that's, that's a really hard thing to like figure out in the moment. I'm sure. But oh, I definitely I feel like this <laughs> happened to me recently where there's definitely like a person that I found myself attracted to, like really attracted to because they like reminded me of an ex from 10 years ago that, that like got away. Okay. Yes. <laughs> yeah, sure. I have, okay, I have yeah, experienced yeah, that. Yeah. That I get yeah. That. yeah. That's, that's and so fair. it's, it's not at all about this person's personality or who they are. It's because like their physical appearance reminds me of that. And so I find myself drawn to that, I guess, because of being fueled by trying to work out that unresolved thing with this ex from 10 years ago, you know, Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that's a good example. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Well, all right. What's another one? So this one is really interesting. Um, a litmus test can be, 
when you have an experience happen and then you make someone else's actions about you. And I'm trying to come up with like a good example for this, but even just it can be like something very simple, like, you know, this person, I guess, your your partner or whomever uh, decides, I mean, to not take out the trash when they said they were going to and they didn't follow through. Like what Dedeker had talked about before. And like then all Dedeker of a sudden, hates. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, then and all of a sudden, like it becomes about you. It's like, well, wow, I guess they don't really, you know, I uh, I don't know. Oh, they no, don't I can. Emily, I can finish do the story something for like you. like me or whatever. OK, because I've lived this. Yeah, I think for me, it tends to go to a place of like, gosh, how do I make it about me about like. Like, yeah, like you saw that the trash needed to be taken out, but you had the thought of like, oh, well, Dedeker will take care of it, so I don't have to. And so then you intentionally had that thought and then walked by, you know, with this firm intention of like making me do everything. Like, that's definitely a story that comes up for me, which pretty much is 100% BS. Yeah. Yeah. Or all of a sudden it becomes about like how your partner doesn't, I don't know, doesn't want to take care of you or doesn't want to like help out as much as you need them to or wish that they would or that they don't respect you in the way that you deserve or blah, blah, blah. Like, often it can be things like that. And I mean, on the flip side, maybe there are things that tend to come up. Like, for instance, you know, we always put the dishes in poorly and just freaks (laughs) out about that. And like, maybe that actually is that we just like don't care to learn how to put the dishes in right because we think that Jace ultimately will still yell at us. <laughs> gosh. Well, I, I was going to... Gosh, okay. I was going to try to bring up sort of a, a different example, but of just like... Please. The difference between someone's actions being about you or not. So, mm-hmm. like, in that example, I don't... I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I don't think either of you would intentionally load a dishwasher poorly to no. to hurt me antagonize or to you. spite me or to antagonize me or to like Well now I'm now I'm considering it for the sake of the walls <laughs> but right so so like that would be an example of something that I might think like gosh you know like she's just doing this again to like to get to me or to show that mm. she doesn't respect me or or to try to manipulate me into just always doing the dishes or what right whatever it is whereas on the other side maybe someone is doing something that is about you like is a partner constantly um interrupting you mm. when you're talking and mm. they don't do that to other people like maybe that is something about you they might still not be doing it intentionally intentionally but it is still something about you that's causing them to do that right like that's just kind of a a, a smaller example it could also be something bigger of like intentionally being disrespectful to you or intentionally doing something repeatedly that they know is hurtful or upsetting to you to try to yeah. exert power or manipulate to make or you feel bad yeah. or manipulate right so again it's kind of like evaluate is this me attaching meaning to something that's actually probably just them being spacey or forgetting something or whatever it mm-hmm. is or is this actually is this actually about me yeah Um, And finally, another litmus test is looking at the types of people that you are getting into relationships with and asking yourself, am I kind of dating this similar person with similar (laughs) attributes that perhaps are things that have not served me in the past? 
And again, I'm like doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. But ultimately, it's not serving me to keep doing that. I don't know right. what the opposite of this one is. If there's like, unless the these people are serving you in your relationship. And so you keep like getting with the same people that have similar attributes that are great for you. And that bring out good sides of you. Yeah, good way to evaluate that. Yeah, Mm -hmm. but I think it can it it can happen often that that we are drawn to similar types of emotional baggage, for lack of a better (laughs) word. What are you you gonna say? The baggage word? Yeah. Well, I don't know. I just, I just, I don't know. I feel like at the end of the day, just examining any patterns whatsoever Mm -hmm. that you have. Oh, for sure in relationships or in the type of people that you date can be valuable. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not always necessarily going to be an indicator that something's wrong, but I think it is really important to be aware of those things. I mean, trust me, I had, you know, I had two abusive relationships that happened essentially back to back and they were abusive in very different ways, but it's still, once I was finally done with all that, (laughs) um, like I definitely have had to spend a lot of time both on my own and in therapy, just examining like, what was that pattern about? Even though it was a relatively short pattern of just kind of like two people, but kind of examining like what happened there? Like, what was I holding on to that was keeping me in both of these bad relationships, you know, and, and it's, you know, it's not the most fun kind of work to do, but it has been very illuminating and very helpful in looking Mm. at what kind of baggage I have carried with me. Yeah. Yeah. Understandable. So with all of these, it's um, just kind of evaluating, is this baggage that's not helpful or these things I'm feeling, maybe they are appropriate. And maybe that means this relationship is one that I shouldn't be in, or at least not be in, in the same way that I am now. And the thing like to kind of tie this back to even the negative baggage being good kind of, or, you know, can be good. Like Dedeker was talking about just now is that, because you've had the experiences you've had in your past, whatever those are, those might make you better equipped to see some of these things or to see actual red flags or warning signs rather than staying in this relationship and not seeing it. So Mm. it's kind of, it's again, it's that evaluation of like, is this helping me? Um, And in this case, if, if this is sort of a symptom of a relationship where you're not being respected or that's even moving toward abuse, or is just one where you're really not happy, that baggage might be the thing that helps save you the time of staying in this relationship when, you know, instead you realize like, oh gosh, look, I see these things because I have this baggage. Let's get out of this. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've gone through all of our little clues and litmus tests, we're trying to figure out like, is this unhelpful baggage? Is this helpful baggage? What if you've determined that you have a bunch of unhelpful baggage attached to you? What do we do? Well, it's important to realize that baggages are different. There are different types of baggage. Some people have away bags. Some people have like, (laughs) you know... I'm sorry. That's Rolling like the bags, one that I keep going back to. Yeah, bags. exactly. Yeah. Some people have duffel bags. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, and so it really oftentimes when we go into relationships and when we have uh, fights, for example, with people, we might like think that 
someone is going to react a certain way because that's the way that we would react. Mm, yeah. And therefore, like, assuming that somebody else has similar baggage to your own. But really, like, we all come from different walks of life. We all come from different experiences. And so our personal baggage is going to potentially, most likely, be very different than your partner's or, you know, whomever you're having a, a conflict with. Yeah. And I think related to that is, you know, just being dedicated to having some self-awareness and investing in some self-examination on this, you know, possibly with the help of a therapist. You know, a lot of Mm -hmm. these things are very useful to work out with someone outside of you to bounce ideas off of and to offer suggestions and talk about these things. I find it's really helpful to just like take stock of your past relationships, think critically about what happened in past relationships, about what lessons you may have learned or what messages you may have received about how to communicate or about what kind of a person you are or or about just what relationships are supposed to be like in general. Um, You know, think about what working models you may have received from your parents. Think about how your parents fought. Think about how your parents' relationships were. Think about, or if it's not, you know, two parents, like think about the relationships that you saw in your family of origin in the context that you grew up with. Um, And if you're also, if you're dealing with trauma or PTSD, you know, do the work to seek healing of that trauma in whatever modality works for you. You know, for some people, it's talk therapy. For some people, it's more hands-on kind of therapy. There's a a wide variety of options for seeking healing of trauma. Um, But it's kind of like, Choosing to make the investment in being aware of this stuff is really going to be, it's a really important first step. And um, I don't know, just, yeah, can really equip you because if you have the awareness of it, at least it's not something that can control you 100% of the time is the yeah. way that I feel about it. If you kind of brought it into the light, it makes it a lot easier to to deal with it. Mm-hmm. And now because every good multi-emory episode involves a list we have five five <laughs> steps that you can take. You don't necessarily have to do all of them. You can pick and choose, but they're kind of set up in order of some things that you can do when you have determined that you're experiencing some unhelpful baggage. So number one is in that moment, take a breath and come to the present moment and notice where you are. So when thinking about something like transference, it's like just kind of realize like, oh gosh, I'm having a big reaction. Let me stop. Like, look at where I am. And I mean, just very literally like, okay, I'm in my room. It's the present day. My partner is my modern day current partner, the one today, not anyone from the past, right? Of just kind of like taking stock of just like very literally looking around being like, oh yeah, that's my wall where I put up note cards yesterday and like, this is my Mm -hmm. water bottle that I just filled and kind of grounding yourself in right now. Okay. So step number two is to make the transference conscious, conscious. (laughs) Why do I want to say something different than that conscious? So this is really important to ask yourself, who is my partner to me in this point. So are they, am I, am I viewing my partner as like my mother, for example, am I viewing my partner as an ex? Is this situation similar to something that occurred in the past? And so really like be able to kind of take a step back. Hindsight is twenty twenty. like look from 30,000 feet down on the situation and be like, huh, am I having a reaction simply because I feel as though my partner is this other person that has occurred in the past or the situation that has occurred in the past. Um, And then 
Step three is going to be ask your partner what they are really saying or feeling. So again, you may be having a specific reaction to something, but it's important to go back and be like, hey, I I had an emotional reaction to that. I just want to be clear right now what exactly was it that you were trying to convey to me in that moment when you said X thing. Yeah, I, I personally, this one really resonated for me when we were putting this list totally. together of, um, especially with a newer-ish partner of mine, um, where especially earlier on, something would happen, like maybe I I wouldn't hear from her for a little bit, or she would respond in a certain way to something that I said, that to me would go into like, oh gosh, she's she's pulling away and she's going to leave me because that's what the last person did, Mm. or right, like whatever Mm. that kind of transference was. And I just was able to ask her if like, hey, when when this happened, like, are you feeling like you're pulling away or was something else going on or kind of what's going on? And she and I actually both started doing that about those sorts of things we felt insecure about and just asking Mm. it and then believing the other person when they tell you like, no, actually, that's not at all. I'm sorry that you felt that way. Like what I actually meant was this thing and just going like, okay, that's what it means when this person does that thing. And like kind of just like not trying to assume what someone else might think, but actually just asking them that 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 for me was a big big revelation, uh, in, in that relationship and in my relationships in general. Um, so yeah, that one, just like actually ask them and believe them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's really important. And step number four is to freaking claim that baggage. And what I mean by go to that baggage claim. (laughs) Yes. And what I mean is to take ownership of your shit, you know, it is okay. Like once you've recognized that this is what's happening, it is okay to say, hey, I'm sorry I reacted that way. This reminded me of something in the past. You know, can we either, like, can we talk about that a little bit or let me take a halt until I feel a little bit better or whatever it is that you need. But it is okay to take ownership of what's going on in you and Mm -hmm. to, again, just to bring it into the light, bring it into the conversation, at least recognize that, hey, something's going on here that's not what's actually happening in this present moment, and that's why I'm feeling upset or that's why I'm crying or or things like that. So again, like take ownership of the baggage that you've brought into the situation. Mm-hmm. And then number five is to find a way to let it go, if not go. permanently, if not permanently on, on the I top of to. a mountain, <laughs> then to let it go uh-huh. for now. Because the thing is that like, the baggage that you carry with you or the triggers or the trauma or whatever it is, it's like it's your body and your nervous system and your emotions and your brain all trying to protect you and trying to get you what it is that you need. And that's actually a very good thing. It's a very wonderful thing that there's a part of you that has your own back that is trying to protect you and trying to make sure that you don't run into another painful situation or that you don't get hurt again. And so I find what's been very useful for me specifically in working through my own trauma and baggage is to address that part of myself and thank it for protecting me, but to also let it know, you know, I just don't need you right now. But Mm -hmm. I can take comfort in the fact of knowing that like when I do truly need you and when I do truly need your protection, you are going to be there. But right now is not this moment. And so, you know, good work, soldier, at ease, take a break smoke if you got them <laughs> and <laughs> wow and i'm gonna go about my day mm-hmm. that's yeah. how i do it i don't know about all y'all 
So ultimately, with all of these things, if we're dealing with baggage, you know, good or bad, if we're dealing with transference, whatever it is, it is really important to have compassion for oneself. Um, Because relationships can be really vulnerable, they can be stressful at times. And it is okay if past baggage comes up occasionally. If it if it's not serving you, maybe look at that and understand that like, you're not necessarily going to get past that baggage that isn't serving you immediately. Um, So have some compassion for yourself if time needs to be taken in order Mm. to work past that Mm. baggage. Because I think this is something I really struggle with at times is just having self-compassion. Definitely, Mm. I've talked about that on this podcast, but I'll tend to like beat myself up over a lot of things. And that really doesn't do anyone any good. It's, It's understandable that challenges will arise that, you know, take a while to work through. So yeah. give yourself that time. Give yourself that yeah. love. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of that love, we would definitely love to hear from you. Are there things that came up for you when listening to this episode? Did you become aware of some baggage that you may be carrying into your relationships, either the helpful kind or the not so helpful kind? Is this some work that you've done before and you found some really interesting, illuminating things about yourself have come to the surface? We would definitely love to hear about it. And the best place to share your thoughts with other listeners and with us is on this episode's discussion thread in our private Facebook group, or in the episode discussion thread on our Discord server. You can get access to these groups and you can join our exclusive community by going to patreon.com slash multiamory. In addition to that, you can share with us publicly on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can email us at info at multiamory.com. You can leave us a voicemail at 678-M-U-L-T-I-05. Or you can leave us a voice message on Facebook. Multiamory is created and produced by Emily Matlack, Jace Lindgren, and me, Dedeker Winston. Our episodes are edited by Mauricio Balvanera. Our social media wizard is Will McMillan. Our theme song is Forms I Know I Did by Josh and Anand from the Fractal Cave EP. Full transcript is available on this episode's page on multiamory.com. 